Just a quick note before we get started with today's conversation with Callie. Uh, Callie came on the podcast to uh, talk a little bit about her dad. After we had our conversation and before this was released, her father passed away. So this episode is in loving memory of her father. It's rare to find only one person in a family who has ADHD. Right, which is typically a way of assessing whether Mm -hmm. someone has ADHD. You say, you know, ask about family history, ask about family traits, ask about things that everyone accepts as normal, but, you know, really, it's not really very normal. Mm -hmm. ADHD Rewired, episode 269. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we we mentioned on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is Callie Stanton. Callie lives in Minnesota. She is a teacher. She's married and grown with children. She's married and grown. She has grown children. I said that weird, but it's okay. I'm going to keep it in. Most recently, she has taken up piano. Uh, She was in the sixth season of our coaching and accountability groups during a very tumultuous time in her life. Uh, It was the same year that her and her family moved to a new town. Her youngest graduated from high school and she started a new job. Now, what would be like two years later, I think? Three years later? Almost three. If I read the rest of the bio, I would have actually read it because you actually wrote that. Life is much calmer for Kelly now, almost three years later. She credits the coaching group for helping her reduce her stress level, overcome anxiety, and giving her more insight and confidence. So, Kelly, glad to have you on. Great to be here, Eric. Thanks. So you've had a sort of interesting journey, um, just even in the last year. So you were diagnosed with ADHD a couple of years ago. Right, uh, 2015. And then recently undiagnosed with ADHD. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, basically told that I don't have ADHD. But yeah, so the story was in 2015 that I... Went, I was seeing a counselor and she recommended that I go to a psychiatrist to be evaluated for ADHD because of some of the symptoms I was mentioning to her. When I went to the psychiatrist, he gave me a survey developed by Thomas Brown mm-hmm. and told me, yeah, you have ADHD. Gave me three different medication prescriptions so that I could do basically try these three and see which one worked best. And I did. I tried um, Concerta, Vyvanse, and Adderall. 
and I stuck with Adderall. And mm-hmm. um, I was on Adderall. I was taking Adderall different dosages and different. Yeah, I worked with the psychiatrist and I was still trying to get it just right. And then I ended up deciding that I didn't want to take it anymore. Um, I think I had a night of poor sleep and I just was like, you know, I'm just done. So I, I stopped taking them, the prescription. And then um, after that, I changed clinics. When I went to the new clinic, I told the doctor that I had ADHD. Or I actually kind of mentioned it about when I used to take ADHD medication. And they looked at me like, you don't have a diagnosis of ADHD. And I'm like, well, I did at the last clinic. So he said, at this clinic, we, I require that my patients see a licensed psychologist and go through the testing. Um, so I, I explained what I, how I had been diagnosed with a psychiatrist, and he didn't think that was valid. And he simply said, that isn't going to cut it for me because these are Schedule II medications, and I wouldn't feel mm-hmm. comfortable prescribing them to you without knowing in a, you know, with certainty that you have ADHD. And then I felt, you know, definitely invalidated and mm-hmm. questioned, like, why would I even want this diagnosis? Like, why would I go around saying this if I, I was actually going in for help with a doctor because I felt really crappy and I was dealing with, um, some depression and anxiety. And I just was like, you know, I think I want to try to go back on my medication because I remember feeling very calm mm-hmm. and I wasn't anxious when I took um, Adderall. So, um, he, he, he gave me the option of taking Wellbutrin. And I thought, you know what? I know, I remember Eric talking about taking Wellbutrin. <laughs> and uh, it worked for him, particularly for the seasonal affective disorder. And I thought, you know, he's offering this. This is what I'm going to try. So I, I started on a, you know, a base, a beginning dose or a dose that you would give someone for seasonal affective disorder. And um, in a couple of weeks, I was starting to feel a little better. And then that just continued so that I, I made it through the winter and we had the worst winter. Mm. We really, it was so cold here. Um, it was brutally cold and there were days where we just really, you just didn't want to go outside. I think the temperature the with the wind chill, it was 65 below. The air temperature is like, yeah. you know, 45 below. Oh, I remember the, the uh, what do they call it? The, the, the polar vortex. Yes, it was. Yeah. I, mean, I was. Yeah. I was in Chicago and I think that, that you're, I think Minnesota was probably like, just a little bit oh. worse than what we, I mean, it was, it was I, so bad. I remember that, that the day where it was like, everything was canceled. Everyone's like, stay home. Don't leave your home. And, yep. I, and I remember, you know, I, I, I don't work far from uh, my office isn't far from the house. And I remember yeah. the, the coldest day walking from my car to the front door of my office. And I was totally like bundled up. Mm-hmm. And I remember blinking and my eyelashes like literally stuck together, like froze it. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it was That's so it. Weird. That's how bad it was. It, I mean, it's, it, it was insanely cold. Yeah. Yeah. And I will go out in, you know, wind chill down to, you know, I'll go as low as minus 20, 25 yeah. even, you know, with wind chill. But really it's, it's just, then you lose the pleasant factor because I go out 
for my mental health more than mm-hmm. my physical health. I need to get outside. I mm-hmm. love fresh air. I love to feel like I'm, I'm moving. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I made it through the winter with Wellbutrin and I did see the psychologist and in the meeting with the psychologist, he was wondering why I wanted to be evaluated because I said that I felt better on Wellbutrin. Then it was a matter of, well, do you really want to treat the ADHD or do you, are you content feeling better and overall with the Wellbutrin and sometimes Wellbutrin is used to treat ADHD. It is. Yeah, so maybe that's good enough. And then I looked at him and said, well, maybe I should take more so the ADHD is treated. And he's like, but you feel better now. So why would we add the chance of getting, of having side effects? And he wasn't a doctor, he was a psychologist. And this meeting was basically to determine whether he should test me or not. Mm -hmm. But he cited a study that said, basically, that adults um, are more typically falsely diagnosed with ADHD if they come as an adult rather than, um, it, you know, basically if I hadn't been diagnosed as a child, it's pretty low chance that I really have ADHD. I probably have something else. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, if that's your perspective, I, I just didn't feel like it would be a good idea to test with him. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like even just when you walked in, it wasn't like, okay, so you're coming in with an ADHD diagnosis. We would no. like, we would like to just confirm, uh, to validate that it was, no, you probably don't have it, but we're going to test it to, 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 to prove it to you that you don't. Like, or yeah. Or like we, you know, if in the small chance that you have it, which is probably unlikely because of the research that's out there, you know, that he was citing anyway. But, you know, but again, why? I mean, you're functioning, you're married, you have a job, um, you know, like your life isn't falling apart. And, you know, really, when I compare it to where I was at when I was first diagnosed, I'm in a much better place. Mm-hmm. So, then I thought, well, maybe I just don't need the, the diagnosis. Maybe I don't need the medication. Maybe I just use strategies and I have Wellbutrin on board. I'm just going to let that sit. And I did. So I am using my strategies and um, definitely I listen to the podcast. I, you know, I went through the coaching group. I have a lot of things in place. Um, And honestly, my family, you know, with the diagnosis, my family, as in my husband and my children, I mean, we can just laugh about stuff now. It's like, of course you lost your wedding ring. You know, I told my husband last week, you know, I lost my wedding ring and I waited two weeks. Oh, this is yeah. recently. Yeah, right. Oh, like this no. week I found it. I found it this oh, week. Did. Yeah. So I know it was, it was like, I lost my wedding ring. I kind of sat with it. I went, well, that's why I have a spare. <laughs> 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 right. I mean, I have a I've, I've heard of spare keys. <laughs> I, I, you know. Oh yeah. You should try that. You know, know, that's actually a brilliant idea. Like when you get married to actually get like a backup wedding ring, like just in case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the, my wedding ring is, I really, you know, I really like it, but I also really like my fake wedding ring, which is cubic zirconia and it's gold. And so it's real sparkly and I like it. I would be sad if I lost that, which I have in the past. So anyway, I, I went to the gym and I opened up my little makeup pouch because I hardly ever put makeup on after I work out. And there it was. And I went, of course, this is where it is. This makes sense. It's a logical place it would be. Why I hadn't looked there, I do not know. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> it was good. So, yeah. So it's kind of like when you said, turn your phone to airplane mode. And I'm like, I can't find my phone. <laughs> Darn it. Oh, well, it's probably in the right, car. Right, as, as, right before we hit record as we're, as we're discussing, you know, so do you have ADHD? You're like, where's my phone? <laughs> right. It's, and you just lost your wedding ring, but you found it. <laughs> but I found it. Right. And the fact that you actually have a dedicated backup wedding ring. <laughs> that's right. It's, <laughs> you know, and, it's and a really good idea. And that, you know, to me, so much of, you know, one of the reasons why I, a good clinical interview is, is part of, is really still the gold standard for, for, you know, a good diagnosis is it's because so much of what ADHD is, is told in the stories of of our lives. It's not just the rating scales. It's not just going through the DSM, you know, checklist, you know, because if you take everything completely sort of black and white for exactly what it's what it might say on the, the DSM, like you're gonna miss a lot of things. Right? And the, you have to really understand what was what what are the what's the intent behind a lot of these these symptoms. Right? Um and so, yeah, it's, it's that, that lack of validation that, that when, when medical professionals, when mental health professionals uh, are starting from the position of, hey, it's overdiagnosed. I'm going to, you know, I'm, that's, that's where I'm starting from. There are going to be so many people who, one, feel like their, their struggles aren't validated, two, aren't getting the help that they really do need. And, you know, what the research really does show is that is ADHD overdiagnosed? Sometimes. But the bigger picture is it's actually more often not diagnosed. It's actually more often missed. Right. right. And I, I did have that choice. Um, he absolutely would have tested me if I had asked for it. I just felt at that time that I thought, you know, I can always come back. I can always ask for another referral. But at this time, I'm just going to let it roll. It's it's not terrible. For example, he mentioned he asked me, you know, what kind of symptoms do you deal with? I said, well, I, I lose things all the time. <laughs> He's like, well, lots of people lose things. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, how bad is that? And I said, well, I really struggle with being on time. He's like, well, you know, really, how bad is being late? Because we all have things to do. So it was a sense of like, okay, maybe I'm pretty normal, um, normal. And you know that it's not the kind of thing where people are not always on time. At least my husband might be one of those people. <laughs> so it's, I take that back because <laughs> he really is pretty much always on time. But for me, um, it's a real challenge. And that ends up coming up as a conflict in our marriage because when we have to go someplace together on time, I'm like, what's the big deal? It's fine. And he's like, I want to be on time. So we deal with that. So, have, so those are the kind guys, of things. Have you guys gotten to the point where like when you have to be somewhere and leave the house at seven, he actually tells you it's 640 when we need to leave and he tries to convince you that that's actually the time we need to leave? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. The thing with that is that I get defensive because it's like, okay, look, I already have my phone set. I have alarms already going. Let me just do my thing. Let me use the system that I have in place because I feel like if someone is telling me it's time to go, that that's 
a little, it feels disrespectful in a sense mm. of, don't you know, I can take care of myself. And, um, but he just doesn't, he really doesn't want to be late and he doesn't even want to be exactly on time. He, just, he does want to be there a little early, which is great, you know, cause that, that serves him well. And, you know, I'm working on it. I, we all of all the clocks in our house are set five minutes ahead. I usually like to set clocks like somewhere between like two to four minutes, like and have them be inconsistent. So I don't actually know how fast it is. So that way I have to like, oh, so I have to like think, all right, this one might be the one that's two minutes fast or only two minutes fast. So like, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I have to assume that it's like, you know, uh, and that, cause I don't like it. Cause if it's exactly five minutes fast, I could figure that out, you know? And it's like, but if I have I to know. like, but I have, to, if I have to think about it, you know, it's, it, it's sort of, it's one of those things I have to like let my tricks trick me. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I do. I do see that. And it's funny because I actually used to uh, really believe in like having clocks be exactly the time so you can learn like this is the time it needs to happen. That and, sounds terrifying. And, 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 <laughs> and, and for some of my clocks, I do like the, the clock. Well, the clocks that I have that, that so I have like two, I actually have two clocks. Like if I, if I look up at my wall, I have two clocks in my wall, depending on which like way I'm leaning. Right. And then I have my clock that's on my screen. Right. Um, and that one's just, that's right because it's set to the computer time. Um, right. But I have the ones on my wall that are just, they're like a minute and two minutes fast, you know, and it's, they're not. One of them is one minute. One of them is two minutes. I don't know which one is right. Um, you know, so it's it's you have to learn like all right, what's how much are you? Do you tend to be a little bit late by, and then trying to like you know compensate around that that amount. Now, That's you know, good. part of of an ADHD diagnosis is also taking a family history, and I, I do know that there is a uh, um, from what you shared with me a bit of a family history that I wanted to be able to uh, kind of talk with you about. Um, but first, what I want to do is take a quick break, and then uh, when we when we come back, let's talk family. Oh, sounds good. All right, we will be right back. Did you miss Tuesday's registration event for our summer coaching and accountability groups? Then you won't want to miss our next one this Friday at 11 a.m. Central. There may not be many spots left as of Friday, May 3rd, when I'm recording this. We have a record of 19 people registered for our kickoff event on Tuesday. If you're thinking about joining, don't wait. If you're thinking about joining this group, you should do it because... Being in the group, you're going to see yourself reflected in each of the members, and you'll start having compassion for yourself because you have compassion for the members. You'll start figuring out what to do in a certain situation because you see the other person struggling. You think, well, obviously, he needs to do this. You think, wait a minute, I do the same thing. And so it's just eye-opening experience every single time. So if you think about joining this group, do it. Don't let that negative self-talk and the self-doubt get to you. I was in that same place. I felt so lost with my ADHD, even with the medications I was taking. I just couldn't do what I wanted to do. This class really, really, really changed a lot, especially with my mindset. That was so bad in the dumps. If you're struggling with a lot of self-care and self-compassion, this is a place to go. It's not a one-on-one thing. You have many people that can relate, and that is so powerful, like ridiculously powerful. The other thing is that you learn skills that are really going to change your life. And if you're ever just struggling with any of that, I think this is so much better than any one-on-one that you'll ever find. 
if you're thinking about joining this group, you've got to just realize that there's so many more people out there that are like you. Coming into the group, you just immediately feel the sense of community with people that you're just like, they're so different from me, but their brains are just like mine. And it's wonderful because every time I screw up with something, I'm like, but I can talk to these people about it because they understand. They've done the same thing. We went through that a couple times earlier with like, who've paid the ADHD tax. Everyone raised their hand with, and you know, put in chat with all these things. It's like, yeah, I did these stupid things and it's okay for us to say that here. And that makes this group just so special because you don't have that community almost anywhere else. And it's what makes me so appreciative to be here and to keep coming back to be an admin and, you know, keep working with this group. So I think that's why just, Without anything else, that's one of the most important things you get out of being in this group. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this experience after going through the group and then coming back as an admin, the first time I was concentrating on everything you guys were concentrating on, writing a schedule, staying on task, not forgetting to do my stuff and getting a routine and really trying to make it work. This time around, it was a refresher for me, but I concentrated more on you guys and what you were struggling with. And it was just... Uh, it was just so profound, I guess. It was just eye-awakening and refreshing. And this whole group is kind of like I was adopted and I just found my family. Like, this is like a big, huge family reunion. And, like, I just feel so connected to everybody. And I'm just so filled with hope. Hope for everybody. Hope for myself. What I had heard, particularly that you do it three times a week for 10 weeks. That's what really got me hooked. The bottom line is you get what you pay for. And having 10 weeks, three times a week, is the type of intensity and duration that you need. So when successful people realize that they are struggling, they don't waste time thinking about it. They reach out to their networks and they get help. If you're struggling with ADHD or executive functioning or those kinds of things, you've been doing it for years, you tried all the things, you need help, you need a coach. And what I can say is, I looked at, you know, what all the professionals do, executive coaching and stuff like that. By far and wide, the value for money and the impact of this group coaching is really, it's like an order of magnitude more than anything you're going to get of one-on-one coaching. And if that's remotely on your list, I wouldn't waste time. I would sign up today. Begin your ADHD rewired coaching group journey this summer with our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. After your 10-week coaching group experience, support continues with weekly sessions in our alumni membership community. There's really no program like it. Summer sessions begin July 11th. Details are at the website. To join us this summer, RSVP for our registration event on Friday, May 10th at 11 a.m. Central. We're only doing two sections this summer, which means 12 fewer spots. So don't wait to register because we will fill up fast. To learn more, to see session dates and times, go to coachingrewired.com. All right, we are back with Callie Stanton. And um, let's, uh, let's talk about family. Sounds good. So your... Your dad, uh, you believe, has ADHD, not been diagnosed. Also, Asperger's, possibly? He's, he has studied autism spectrum disorder. He feels that the Asperger's 
symptoms, he really, you know, he, he feels like he identifies with those. He works with students who have Asperger's or are on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. disorder. Um, I've had a hard time accepting that right from the beginning. I think that's, it could be because I don't understand it well enough. It would be very helpful if he had been tested mm-hmm. just because if it's something that we're assuming is true, but we haven't, we don't really know. <laughs> I'm just kind of laughing to myself, kind of like my situation. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But, um, you know, he feels like he's learned a lot from studying Asperger's and he sees family history with his parents and I see family history with ADHD traits. And so that's kind of where I've come out with, all right, it's not really fair to diagnose your family members, but if you see traits mm-hmm. that look like ADHD, it helps, it helps me understand myself better. Yeah. Uh, because when I was in the counselor's office and she initially said, you know, she was telling me about ADHD as I was telling her about symptoms, I also felt like I really wanted to understand my dad better mm. because some of the things, some of his traits can make me crazy. I just, but like, I, like you know, what? I love him like crazy. Oh my gosh. Like the things that I deal with, for example, <laughs> um, when he leaves the car, he's like, did I lock the doors? I better check. So we leave the car and then we come back to the car mm. and then we make sure things are covered up. So just some in of case. those like OCD like tendencies. <laughs> But, you know, I don't see him have OCD in anything else, you know, really. It's okay. more like that, the car thing and locking the doors and closing the garage door. And um, it, I think it makes it harder for me because I so don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the person who's constantly checking my doors. But then I catch myself checking the doors. <laughs> right. And, and there's, there's, that thing I don't of, remember. there's a big difference, I think, between uh, you know checking your doors when you have ADHD because you like legitimately like, like forget and you know that you, you forget. <laughs> um, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely been times where I have uh, like got out of bed because I'm like, I think I forgot to lock the front door. And half the time, I did forget to lock the front door. And you know, so I'm really <laughs> so glad that I right, right. So it's not like the it interrupts my life where I'm like going back to like check, and then I'm like, wait a minute, did I just go back to check? And then like, and that's really like what the OCD is. It's like it doesn't register that you did it, and then it creates anxiety. Um, so you have to like go back and check again, and you have to do it in a certain way to 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 sort of make everything okay in the world. I mean, it's right. Um, yeah. So that kind of checking, where it's almost like. Um, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, um, where it's, which is similar to, a, to OCD. I think the, the way I look at the difference between OCD and, and ADHD is with OCD, like, it just seems like you're, comp- you know, can be completely, uh, just super rigid and things need to be a certain way. With OCPD or obsessive compulsive personality disorder, you're totally anal retentive, but you know it and you are doing it because you know it helps you, like, like, co- compensate for other areas of life. That's the way I look at it. That's so interesting. I hadn't heard that. (laughs) Uh, And I honestly didn't think of it as a personality disorder. I was like, you either have OCD or you don't. And and OCD is also like a spectrum disorder, just like autism, just like ADHD. Makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And that one, you know, again, I'm 
you know, when you think of your family members, you might say, ha ha, you know, they seem OCD or whatever, but a real diagnosis is, you know, not to, I mean, I really don't want to be diagnosing other people that I, I love and care about. Sometimes it helps me understand them better if I think maybe they might have these traits and maybe that's why that is such a struggle. So it gives me more patience. If we look at uh, clinically what, what autism is, um, you know, it's, it's impairment in, uh, social communication. It's uh, impairment in, in language uh, and uh, an impairment in or difficulty with uh, or insist- insistence on sameness and uh, repetitive behaviors. Um, and so that's where some of the, the OCD-like traits uh, come in. Now, after the uh, when, when the DSM-5 uh, came out and uh, all of a sudden all these people with Asperger's no longer had Asperger's because they said, we're just going to lump it all together with autism, um, right. which, you know, most people are like, well, that was dumb. Um, it, you know, because it's the, the reason behind it was actually made a lot of sense. But they should have mm-hmm. created. They should have made a subtype because people have an identity around. You no, know, neurotribes is a thing, and there's a huge right. subculture of you know of Aspies who right. like they own it. They 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 like who they are. They, you know, and it's you know it's imagine like we got clumped together with some other diagnosis because they're like, oh, actually it's it's this, and then ADHD is no longer a thing. I mean, think just about people still use the term ADD, even though clinically it hasn't been a, a an actual uh, clinical term. Um, but people use it to describe an inattentive type of, of ADHD, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so the, the part that makes sense about why it was clumped together is with the way it used to be is autism was you needed to have impairments in, in, uh, in language and impairments in social interaction. Mm-hmm. But you can't really separate those things because like language is so social, Mm-hmm. And uh, and they also find that when you look at individuals who are on the higher end of the, the spectrum, that um, if language does develop later in life, um, which which can happen, uh, whether you know sometimes first words could be three, four years old, sometimes um, that when you follow them into to later life into adulthood, you can't really tell the difference between someone who was diagnosed with Asperger's or autism. So clinically, it didn't wasn't really helpful. Um, the challenge is you have the, the spectrum, you know, you have an ADHD spectrum, which is like, you know, maybe I'd put myself higher on, on the, the ADHD spectrum. You know, I'm, I'm fairly functional in most areas of life. Um, uh, not, not all areas, but most areas in life. Um, <laughs> I, you know, um, but there's also people who like, who are so impaired by their ADHD that they qualify for, for social security disability income. Like they really just can't, you know, so it is that huge spectrum. Now, on the autism spectrum, you can have people like, you know, walk around Silicon Valley and it's, you're going to see a lot, a lot of, of, of the high functioning end of the autism spectrum. But I also, you know, when, when, um, you know, early in my clinical uh, career, like I was working with individuals who were on the much lower uh, end of the spectrum who were more uh, significantly impaired. You know, I was working with, with individuals who were in adult bodies, but were developmentally, you know, two. Wow. Right? And so it's such a huge spectrum. So <laughs> I, I found that they, you know, and now they, they clump it together of level one, level two, level three. It's like AP autism or, um, r- 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 um, what's the other side of that? Uh, rud- rudimentary? What, um, yeah, right. But, Primary. Know, yeah. So, so it's like, and it, it's, they break it down into like how much support do, uh, do they need? So, 
Um, but it's I think, good. That, and I think that the you know in the autism community, I mean that's that's a, it's that's an interesting community. There's a lot of polarization in the autism community, um, but in the in the autism community, there's the you know I'm having I totally just forgot where I, what I was going to say. <laughs> totally. Oh, what was I going to say? Um, and this is an ADHD moment. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the autism community yeah. and diagnosis yeah, uh-huh. and polarization. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you that um, the reason it was hard for me, or it's it's still hard for me to accept that particular diagnosis for my dad because he's so good interacting with people. He's very personable. He's very likable. He was in business. He was um, very successful in business Mm -hmm. and um, very caring, a very empathetic, not that people with Asperger's or autism aren't, but those are the things that, um, you know, I, as a teacher was trained to look for, especially communication ability and being able to express feelings, respond to people with their emotions. And so I was just really struck. I just didn't understand the, that particular diagnosis for him because um, he's the kind of guy when he walks down the street, he's saying hello to everyone and he just wants to be people's friend and, you know, people really like him and he's never had a problem with being socially isolated or, um, you know, that's, I know. And I know there's some overlap between ADHD and I, I just thought, you know, what made more sense to me is that he's dealing with a lot of ADHD symptoms that may appear to be autism. But again, I'm not going to, I'm not the right person to say those. Have, like, have, to you, diagnose have you asked him yeah. like what, like why, why does he feel that he has autism or Asperger's? Whatever yeah. he's what does yeah. he say? Um, you can tell that I don't really remember <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah. I just, I guess maybe I don't remember because I didn't feel like it made sense mm-hmm. to me. He, yeah. Is it well, like one the, thing, oh, one thing I can tell you though, no matter what, is that, he has dealt with anxiety mm-hmm. and I feel that, you know, or at least what I see is dealing with anxiety. And I feel that I've dealt with anxiety a lot. And my grandmother dealt with a lot of anxiety and I didn't really understand anxiety as a thing until I started seeing a therapist and just getting help. Because to me, I just was like, this is normal. Feeling this way is what gets you up in the morning and gets you to do stuff. <laughs> it's where you get stuff done. That's how I got my master's degree. What are you saying? It's, you know, that it's, you know, maladaptive. And then my therapist said, well, you mean, other people, you mean other people can get things done without that feeling of impending doom? I don't understand it. I really don't. I, I don't. And, but now I'm getting better. I am getting better at that. And that has been a major change for the best in my life. And the whole thing, you know, that I heard explained to me was the rising level of cortisol really damages your system. And, yeah. you know, I have a lot of symptoms with um, muscle pain and back aches. And, you know, I'm, I'm really working on um, calming down, slowing down learning to stretch, learning to breathe, all of those things that really have helped, you know, it's gotten so much better. And I see the value of that 
you know, of having margin, having space in your life. I, I went from full-time work to part-time work. And, um, but my problem though with part-time work, Eric, and I'm going to confess this to you and everyone else listening is that I tend to make my part-time work full-time work. And so I saw that with my, with my dad in particular of just always being on, always being on call. Again, he was very successful in business and he really cared about the people he served. But then there was, that was like, if someone called, he answered. If someone needed him, he responded. So it was that kind of thing where I still have trouble in that same area. And didn't you share with me a call that he answered like, was like during your wedding or something or yeah okay so it wasn't the actual wedding it was the rehearsal so we were in the rehearsal and the phone rang and he picked it up and answered it (laughs) while we were rehearsing with the pastor and all the you know the main party and I was like that is so wrong but it didn't occur to him and so um, I think I also told you and I can say this is that understanding a diagnosis of ADHD and seeing that as a pattern in my family helps me understand my family better and be more empathetic and be more forgiving and say, I get that because I've done that and I've done it to people I love and care about. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of what my daughter said to me when I joined the coaching group. She said, whatever you do with the coaching group, just make sure that you get better at listening to me and really Uh hearing me. (laughs) <laughs> oh man! Of course, <laughs> of that's, course. that's like heartbreaking. <laughs> it was. It really got me, and I'm like, yes, of course, of course, I'm going to do that. And Whatever what, I learn. And what? What, what did she say? Well, oh, she was. Yeah, she. I think she really saw that I was trying to change for the better, and has been. You know, it has been good. It really has been better with my ability to listen and admit when I'm not listening and just say, you know, my standard phrase is, I'm sorry, I left the room <laughs> and you know what, <laughs> in I, my mind. <laughs> I think that is such an important thing to own. And, um, and, and, and I do it, you know, I'll be having conversations with people and I'll be, you know, we just had it just a moment ago. I'm like, I totally forgot what we were talking about. And I was the one talking, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Eric. That's why we love you so much. <laughs> and I still have no idea what I was going to like. I, I know where I got lost, but I don't remember where I got lost from. You know, it's, and it's, right. it's okay. It is. It's okay. Cause it, it is. Cause I, when we understand like what's the reasons behind the challenges, I mean, as human beings, we are, we are meaning seeking species. Like we need, we need to understand why. Right. Right. And we can either have the explanation be that person doesn't care. That person is selfish. That person is, you know, um, whatever. Or, oh, this person has a difficulty because of this and it presents itself through these behaviors. Yeah. So for example, last night, um, because I'm starting to exercise in the morning and go to morning exercise classes where you have to be not only on time, but a little early, like you really yoga class in particular, they close the door and they won't let you in <laughs> if you come in late. <laughs> 
right? You know, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to bed earlier. And the reason I'm motivated to do that is because I have friends who are meeting me in the morning. And so it's worth it for me not to disappoint them. So my dear husband, who is so great about getting to bed on time at 930 last night, he said, it's time to go to bed. And I said, yep, I hear you. I want to finish what I'm doing. And he's like, okay. So then he waits, you know, 10 minutes. Honey, it's time to go to bed. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Even the tone at which you you said that is so relatable. It's like, (laughs) it's the, I know, and I cannot shift away from what I'm doing Uh, right now. And it was Amazon. I was on Amazon. Did you get anything good? Um, you know, I had amazing self-control because I told myself, just click out. I actually had something in the cart. And I'm like, I clicked save for later. And I clicked that little X on the top to let me out. And I, it broke the trance. <laughs> I, could, I could, you know, I, he used to say, just close the lid. That was a really good phrase. So close the lid on the computer, right? Yeah. Puts it to sleep. Close the lid and walk away. So he like, he'll coach me like, this is what you need to do to transition because mm-hmm. he knows it's hard and it's never, well, it can be, he can be annoyed, but I didn't sense that he was annoyed last night. He was more like, I think you want to go to bed early so you can go to that morning mm-hmm. class. Right. And so, um, I kind of mark how I'm doing it, getting to bed on time by when he goes to bed. Cause he's so good at nine 30 my, so, my life is like that too. It's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. So I got, I got in the bedroom and he still had the lights on and he was reading and I'm like, yay, yay me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I got to bed at time on a good time. And so it's good, you know, those are things. And so one of the things that I had approached you with when talking about, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to you about some things. It's it's about family because I think for me, my relationships are so important in my life. I value them so highly. Um, and I I do know that ADHD affects my relationships. Absolutely. Um, and I want to do better, you know. So I want to talk to, I wanted to talk to you about that. Um and thinking about my parents and um my mom's struggle with mental illness pretty tough mental illness. And so understanding more about mental illness and how hard it can be for people, I just appreciate her all the more because um, she was, my parents divorced and she raised me and my sister and um, was able to stay employed and work really hard. And she was not diagnosed until she was older when she, when things just went off the rails and she finally was bad enough where she got the diagnosis, but of ADHD. Um, no, oh, of no, others. a harder one. Okay. Yeah, I say harder because I think having um, the serious serious mental illness where you're, you know, basically Psychosis. if you don't take your medication, yes, yeah. where you don't take okay. if you don't take your medication, you could die. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. having that. <laughs> Um, Kelly, you know what I want to do? Because I, I, I have a feeling we're going to go, we're, we're going to get deep right now. 
before I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this really quickly to take a quick break so then we can kind of finish out the this conversation at, at that place, okay? Sounds good, Eric. All right. We will be right back. I had first found out about the group through a coworker and he had actually recommended the podcast and um, at this time this is like five or six years into me being diagnosed, but I never really looked into it further. I just lived with whatever I had and took my medication. Growing up, I always kind of got annoyed by small little things. I would get teased for it from even like my brothers and sisters, my family, and it was like, felt like I was being more of an annoyance when I couldn't really help it. I just learned to live with it like in my adolescent ages and in college is when it got really difficult. I think I was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time and he was cooking the mouse, doing his work, which is totally normal, but I couldn't do my homework because I kept hearing the mouse click and I had to drive somewhere to study. And at that point I realized like this is getting out of control. It's not anyone's fault that they're doing normal day-to-day things, but it's affecting my life. I started looking a little bit more into it and that's when I first was diagnosed and then um, started at my job and my job demanded a little bit more of me in regards to project management and time management. And my goal is for the last four years, not even joking at work, one of them is time management and I've never accomplished that goal. And I feel like this year will be the first year that I actually can accomplish it, that I have it under control and am able to understand that I have time blind and know how to really manage it. And so I'm very, very thankful. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I've taken away. Among many things, the time management and feeling like it's okay to be abnormal. The two biggest things that I took away from that. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you've heard the hundreds of voices of coaching group members who've wanted you to know the impact ADHD Rewired Coaching has had on them because they want you to experience it too. If you're new to the podcast, I'm glad you're here. Come join the ADHD Rewired Coaching community this summer for our 17th season of coaching and accountability groups. And after the group, transition into our alumni membership community for continued coaching, peer support, and more. It all starts with our coaching and accountability groups. RSVP for Friday's registration event on May 10th at 11 a.m. Central. If you're catching this after May 10th, check the website. Space is limited. We're only offering two sections this summer, so don't wait. I hope to see you at registration. To RSVP, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. One more time, that's coachingrewired.com. Join us next week for our monthly live Q&A. Join me and Brendan Mahan from ADHD Essentials, our other podcast, as we answer your questions live. We do this every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 Eastern. This is a great way to be a part of the community. To register for our free Q&A, where we'll answer your questions, help you with your challenges, go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. We'll see you there. All right, we are back right before the break. Um, we, uh, you, were, you were sharing about your, your mom and her later in life uh, diagnosis of some more significant mental illness and how that, just the, the impact of that on, on the family. Yeah, yeah. So it was for the best. Um, my mom was so grateful to have the diagnosis. 
because she had, again, raised us and worked so hard without a diagnosis and not understanding mental illness. So she was able to get um, therapy and she was able to get um, a psychiatrist to work with that also did, did therapy with her. And she learned so much about herself, about family members who struggled with the same things, um, why it helped her put things into perspective. And then she was able to share that with me to understand my relatives better. And obviously, I love my mom. Well, maybe it isn't obvious because not all of us. I, I am very fortunate that I have a very loving, dedicated mom who I, I'm you know, absolutely. I love her so much. And so having her struggle with her mental illness gave me a lot of empathy for mm -hmm. that, you know, and not, not judgmental. Um, and it also removed that fear. So, you know, cause I could see how successful she was after diagnosis. It took, it took a good year for her um, to get the treatment and therapy that she needed to really get back to work had, like she had been, but she was highly successful, had great relationships. I mean, life just got so much better for her mm. and us. And, and our relationship really bloomed too. She didn't deal, um, you know, it's just easier for her to be in a relationship with me, um, which she always thought that. And she was very good. She was very dedicated again to me and my um and my family but it was it's just flat out hard you know yeah when <laughs> you know it's when when the the illness is in the brain and the then the effects of the illness impact the your your social relationships um family relationships you know it's it's the it's like a it's like a cold that is contagious except in a very very different kind of way right right and that, and to be honest with that, within our family, it, this is what's going on. But we didn't share outside of the family. That was not something um, anyone felt comfortable really talking about. And I, I felt like because um, mental illness is misunderstood. Mm -hmm. that so much stigma. Right. And, and oh, what, yeah. what brings stigma is people say, don't talk about it. Let's just pretend everything's okay. Just it's a, smile. It's a cycle. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I did end up sharing. I just remember um, sharing with someone confidentially about some struggles, like about having mental illness on my family. And it came back to him and he said, well, you know, you have so much mental illness in your family. And I was like, okay, why did I share with you? Cause you, again, you don't get it. I felt a judgment mm -hmm. and an explanation of why your family's struggling as I was sharing in confidence, hey, my family's struggling. And then he brought back up, oh, well, you had shared with me that, you know, there's a lot of mental illness in your family. So that explains it. <laughs> it was like, it's so much. Wait, were, you, were you sharing something that was like that you were struggling with or? I was struggling with things not going like I had expected in my family mm -hmm. and some struggles that were going on in my family that I, it was painful, you know, there's some painful times. Um, and so I just, I was actually seeking counsel and help. It was not a counselor. It was not a therapist. I and I, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't in the room, but I, I wonder if it was like he, this person maybe was just trying to like give you perspective. You yeah. Know, based on what you shared already. 
It, yeah. like, you know, kind of like it makes sense based on what you shared with me. But, you know, I, I think that sometimes we people forget to ask questions and we just make statements. And it's like, you know, I mean, the, the, the power of questions, you know, it's uh, like, how, 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 how would you have received it differently if he would have said to you, you think this has anything to do with like what you shared with him before about, you know, mental illness being in your family or do you think it's something else? Like, oh my you, gosh, would have been so different. It really would and have that, been. That and that probably was his intent though, right? Yeah. Maybe. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that because that helps me feel better about that because it has been hard. It was hard to accept that particular a bit of advice. And so, um, you know, one, one of the things that, that, that I have found to be very helpful, um, cause I, you know, it, it, mental illness is also in my family as well. And sometimes I have to, uh, put on the sort of the, the translator. So when, you know, certain people in my family who say things in certain ways and I have to like, first take a really deep breath <laughs> Good. and then i'm like okay what what do i think this person is intending by what they just said and you know if you can if i can give this person the you know the best of intentions like they're that they're not trying to just be batshit crazy um because if they <laughs> if they heard the way that what they just said like they, it would be unbelievable if they knew like if they really heard what I just heard, right? Yep. So, all right, so how do I give them the most generous benefit of the doubt, right? So um, good. And it's it's hard, but I think it's also harder not to if you, are, if you are wanting to have relationships with people who, you know, struggle with relationships because of whether it's through trauma or mental illness or personality disorders or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's it's hard, but I think that having... An understanding helps with with compassion for for the other people. Um, it also gives you permission to create boundaries when you need to. That's good. Yeah, that's really helpful. And like I said before, my relationships are so important to me, and I would never want there to be a barrier that we couldn't work through. And you know, when things come up, we I do seek people out to talk through them. Um, but there is a time to step away and take a break and just say, you know, we need to take a break. <laughs> we need to both be in a better place. You know, um, I, what comes to mind is, our, you know, I remember arguing with my dad and um, I thought, you know, this isn't good for either of us because we're just getting each other more upset. So I said, I just need to stop. Um, and that was, it was better because we do love each other and I know I'm very certain that my dad wouldn't intend to hurt me or make me feel bad, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's helpful for, for um, me to try to remind myself of as well, you know, with, with people in my family, like this person, I like, I know this person loves me. I know this person wants the best for me. They just have very interesting ways of showing it. That's good. You know, it's, yes. uh, it's, you know, and, and you're so right about it. You know, ADHD, is, it's, a, it's, it's a family affair, right? Because, like, even if you're the only person in your family that has it, it becomes a family affair because, you know, we're interacting with the people in, in our family and then it affects them and then how they respond to how it affects them affects us. And then, you know, but we also know that ADHD, you know, it, it's, it's rare to find only one person in a family right. who has ADHD. 
Right, which is typically a way of assessing whether Mm -hmm. someone has ADHD. You say, you know, ask about family history, ask about family traits, ask about things that everyone accepts as normal, but, you know, really, it's not really very normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it does, it does make the family dynamics interesting. And I, again, I just keep going back to, I think when I was diagnosed, even though I don't have a diagnosis that's stuck right now, um, it was really helpful. I learned a lot being in the coaching group, reading, um, well, not actually reading, but listening on Audible. You know, don't, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I'm on a mission to, to help people not discount listening to audiobooks as a form of reading. Um, and right. it, it is not a lesser form of reading. What, who says that the eyes are superior to the ears for, for reading books? Like, why? Yeah. You know, well, I, 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 I probably listen to somewhere between 18 to 24 books a year. Um, and like, I got just as much value from those books, you know, so why do I have to discount? I'd be like, yeah, I read with my ears. Right. And so for me, because I learned so much better through my auditory, you know, auditory means, um, that's where I, I've really seen that. So, for example, there's a fantastic book by Kathleen Nadeau and someone else. Um, Patricia you know, Quinn? Yeah, no, no, ADHD Ways of Organizing Your Life. Yeah, it's Patricia a Quinn. classic. Patricia Quinn, oh. yeah. I, I call that my, my ADHD uh, organizing Bible. That was like one of the first like organizing yeah. like base yeah. books on ADHD. I've, I've dog tagged that book and re- referred to that book many, many times. Right. So I read it. I know I got the paper version. I borrowed the paper version, actually. And then I got it on Audible and I listened to it and I just went, oh, my gosh, this is so helpful. I wish I had known these principles before. I really, you know, I really benefited from that. And then, of course, I thought, you know, anybody could benefit from these principles. Yes. These, you yes. know, these are they're very um, just very helpful. So. Um, yeah, well, thank you. I feel like and this has been good. What do you think? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's always fun talking to you. I, I you know, I've, I have one of the best jobs, I think, that, that an ADHD or who loves talking about ADHD and the stuff that people don't like to talk about, I like to talk about. So, right? you know, I think it's all great. That's so good. So, so Callie, um, you, you started, uh, we started the podcast, you saying that you're learning, uh, the piano. Yeah, and, that's right. And, uh, I am. and I asked you uh, when we started, how far is the piano from you? Yeah, I don't know if it'll reach, but I'm looking at it. It's right looking, there. It's, yeah. <laughs> you want me to try to reach my piano? I think that would be a wonderful way to, uh, to, to finish this, this episode out is Segment. by having Callie tickle the ivories for us. Yeah, but what if I can't reach? <laughs> That's a great excuse, isn't it? What if it all falls apart? What if, what if, what if I can't, I don't think I can reach it with the computer. Okay. I can unplug the batteries. But it looks like you're on a, a laptop and you're mobile. I am. There. I'm pulling all the cords out. So, oh my gosh. Are you kidding? What for, am I for, doing? For, for someone who has uh does they have anxiety and um, I don't really uh, anymore, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I really, I've just, I mean, really. You were just I, bored. <laughs> I don't feel that I have anxiety disorder at all. Yeah. Like I really don't. 
life is so much better without it. Mm. Okay. Okay. And then my piano book. Where's my piano book? Eric. (laughs) (laughs) She found the piano. I found the piano and I... I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to lose though, but I mean, I suppose it's possible. There's a kid's song that's very easy to play. So if you play piano, you'll know this song. It just goes, oh gosh. And now I'm like, I haven't played this for a while. Hmm. Only for you, Eric. Seriously. I think that was awesome. <laughs> the the courage and vulnerability to do that was incredible. Yeah, right? Okay, so this... <laughs> so I'm learning this song, and I love it. What, what song is that? Oh, is that like a, a seventh? <laughs> that a ninth was wrong. Oh, that was wrong. <laughs> you know that song? Cause all of me loves all of you. Okay, now I'm totally done. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much. I, I love that uh, you, you you stepped up to the plate and to the keyboard and, and sang for us. What a, what a you know... I don't think that somebody without ADHD would have done that. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> really? I don't I don't get that. Okay, now, now transitions are going to be hard, right? <laughs> Cuz I do have to go to work. And work to go, Eric. <laughs> well, with that, Kelly, thank you so much for for coming on and uh um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, as, as far as I am concerned, you're a, a, you are a member of the tribe and I'm glad to have you uh, to be a part of it. Of course. Of course. I, yeah. Thank you so much. And I hope what I shared was helpful to people. Thanks. All so right. Much. Thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later. Support for ADHD Rewired comes from our patrons. Patrons like Coffee O, Courtney P, and Jess S, who showed their support this week over at ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. Join us on Tuesday, May 28th at 3 p.m. Central for a one-hour coaching call on Zoom. This is your second-to-last chance that uh, this perk will be available to patrons who give starting at $5 a month. Starting in July, these high-impact group coaching sessions on Zoom will be offered to patrons giving at $25 a month or more. Most patrons give between $5 to $10 a month. Some are able to give at the $25 and $50 a month level. If you are fortunate enough to be able to contribute, give an amount that makes sense to you. And if you're not in a place where you can give right now, that's okay too. You can show your support in other ways, like telling other people about the podcast and leaving an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. But if you've gotten value from this podcast, from our community, and you want to get in on our perks, if you're able to, 
become a patron, go to ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. And thanks. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, Consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel von der Kolk, 10% Happier, and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, 
magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, And if you're an entrepreneur or leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I will be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tibbers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.